Hallelujah. Praise God. Again, it's an honor to be up here to bring the message of God. We always take it very seriously when we stand on the stage, whether we are singing, whether we are sharing a testimony, or whether we preach, because we are accountable to God for all that we are doing. I would like to bring us to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verse 36 to verse 50. Let us uh, read this scripture together. Uh, then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping and beginning to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he was a prophet, would know who or what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She is a sinner. So Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? So Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. Then Jesus said, You have judged correctly, he told him. So turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who has forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sin? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Father, we just want to submit ourselves to your word. We know that you are always speaking to us. And today, Jesus, we bring our Lord Jesus as the master, as the shepherd, as the living word, Lord. Today, he's speaking to you and I, Lord. May we have ears to hear, hearts that will respond, hands and feet that will be obedient, Lord. So bless the reading, the hearing, and the message that will be coming along. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. This translation is taken from the CSB. I know some of you may not be very familiar. It's called the Christian, uh, Christian Standard Bible. Today the title of my message is, Do You See? Even as uh, disciples, I, uh, the last time when I came up here, I was speaking about discipling. 
discipleship and following Jesus. And one of the things when I was reading and preparing is I also began to realize that even as we try to serve like Jesus, we try to love like Jesus, we try to understand God like Jesus has taught us, there are things in our lives that we have also, as disciples, we need to see like Jesus. And one of the things that we always have as Christians, as disciples, we all are either spiritually short-sighted or long-sighted. We see the things very nearby, very clear, but things that are far, we don't see. Or we see things that are very fast, clear, but near, we don't see it well. So either we have a cataract problem, we have an eye problem, we may need laser treatment, we may need cornea, we may need cataract treatment, but even as disciples... This is something that the Lord has put into my heart. That as you and I, we are not just people. We are not just members of glad tidings. We thank God for members. But God is calling us to follow His Son, Jesus. And if we are following Jesus as disciples, then we must see as Jesus sees. You know, recently, I, uh, my, 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 my glasses, uh, my, my specs frame suddenly just fell apart after three years. It just fell apart. And then I would say, oh no, you know, I've got to, I got to go and I, 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 I think I believe i got to go and pray for somebody. So I quickly put the scotch tape around the, 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 this one and then I went, I just said, Lord, I pray that I don't have to change yet because as a Penangite, uh, as a northern person, uh, we are extra thrifty. Try not to spend unnecessary. Uh. So, and then I went, I went to the optometrist so the optometrist, I said, uh, I'm sorry, my, uh, can you help me? Uh, SOS. Lah. I need my glasses. I don't have a spare. My spare, the old one, is out already. Lah, huh? Out of sync it is, so I cannot see very blurred. So he said, okay, okay. Uh, let me solve your problem. i just give you another frame. But you can still use your lenses. So she shaved my lenses and fit it in. I said, praise God. Praise God. I said, how much? Huh? All the Penang people say, always, how much? Kuli. Huh? How much? So praise God. It was very reasonable. But one of the things that happen is that my lenses are still the same, you know. The frame has changed. My son uh, saw it, you know, he's in the US now, so he saw it. He said, "Wow, you look like Harry Potter now. Uh, he said, change your frame. But I said, it's okay lah, this frame, I, you tell me to change. I said, I'll wait, wait longer a bit lah. But what is the problem here? My, the lens is the most important thing amount, uh, not your frame. But it's the lens, but I know a lot of people spend a lot of money on frames, you know, because they want to look good. Huh? But the most important thing is what we see through our lenses is important. And so, for myself, I still got my almost two and a half, three-year-old lenses. And the uh, optometrist was trying to tell me gently, it's time for you to change. I said, wait, huh? wait. Huh? Uh, I said, I will come and change, you know. But one of the things also that I've learned, even as a Christian, is that we should never, never simply ask for discount, you know. I could have easily asked, go, go to the optometrist and say, because she's also a Christian, I say that, hey, you know, I'm a pastor, you know. Uh, can give me special discount or not, you know. You know? And deep in my heart, sometimes I want to ask that, you know, but I said, no, it's not fair. Because this person is also earning a living and we should not do that, you know. This began to convict my heart, you know. Even as I was preparing the message, I was talking about looking at vision. I was also saying that we should also check our hearts as Christians. Sometimes as Christians, we are overly, overly thrifty, you know. We can spend a lot of things on things that are 
not important. But when things are important, we always like to bargain and ask for discount. And so many times, this is the ethics that we try to, 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 to live out as, not just as pastors, but as believers, as disciples. We should not take advantage of other people. Can we say an amen to that? So members of, uh, when we are members are, are you know, are, 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 are relating or dealing with members who have uh, something that they, they, they want, very carefully is, no, understand that that person is also earning a living, you know. Don't because the person is a member, hey, you know, we are GTNs, you know, we serve together. Hey, I see you every Sunday. Can you give me a discount? Ah? This is the wrong attitude and this is something that we also need to change our eyes. We also need to change how we do things. But that is not what I, was, I wanted to, 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 to share with you today. But it is just something very important about how we see. So, we have the Pharisee. And we know the Pharisees are very famous as uh, religious leaders. They are one of the most prominent leaders. And they all had this one thing. They were all, most of them were against Jesus Christ. Anything that threatens their position. And so when Simon the Pharisee, this is not uh, Simon the disciple, but this is Simon a Pharisee, invited Jesus into his home. You know, for what reason? Was, is it because he wanted to, uh, to, to, to know more about the kingdom? Is it because he wanted to hear the gospel? Is it because he was really interested? Very unlikely. Most likely, he wanted to test Jesus. Just like all the other religious. They want to judge him. They want to criticize him. They want to find fault with him. So apparently... Their business is to be a busybody. They try to find fault with him with everything that he said. So for the Pharisees, one of the, one of the responsibilities is to, to be the judge. They try to judge people. They try to be the jury themselves. And they try to execute people if possible. So this is the attitude of the Pharisee. And when we look at the sinful woman, you know, when you talk about sinful woman, some have thought that she is Mary Magdalene. But uh, very unlikely, she is not. Because here it talks about a woman who is sinful. Not a woman who was demon-possessed. Because we know that uh, Mary Magdalene had seven demons that were cast out from her. And some were, some were thinking that this is the same woman in Matthew 26, Mark 14, and John 12. But the other woman is actually Mary of Bethany, which is the, the sister of Lazarus. So this is a different woman and the context was also different. So very likely, this unidentified woman is someone in that, in that town itself where Jesus had went to visit the, 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 the Pharisee's home. So you know that uh, this woman has a, has a reputation. You know, in a small town, uh, everybody knows your reputation. Your dirty laundry is right up there. So this woman had a rough past. In all likelihood, she has been sexually promiscuous and uh, perhaps even a prostitute. And so she brought in an alabaster jar of perhaps very expensive perfume. And uh, probably this woman had lots of fragrances, this Maybe it is part of her trade, part of her profession. She used it on herself. She used it in her place where she does her, biz her business. And, uh, so, and uh, to give it, for her to bring it and give it all to Jesus, this speaks about her new allegiance. This speaks about her new loyalty. This speaks about her transformation. That is the reason, perhaps, why 
she was willing to take all her most expensive thing for a person in that trade, uh, that questionable trade. We believe this was her greatest asset, to smell well, to look well, so that she, she will earn a living as that. But we see the difference in her. She brought it to the home of Simon the Pharisee, hearing that Jesus is in his home. So, she has been either convicted, Jesus could have spoken somewhere else and she has heard the message and she has repented and she knew somehow that Jesus has accepted her. She knew her past did not stop her from coming, from being accepted as a child of God. So she used everything and gave it to Jesus. So, a perfume or oil was normally applied to the head as a sign of respect and hospitality. You know, in the Jewish customs, in the Eastern or Oriental customs, to anoint a guest's head is actually to pay him that ultimate respect. You are welcome in my home. And so, this is uh, something that, uh, that, that, uh, that this unnamed uh, woman did. Not just, he didn't, she didn't put it on his head, just like normal hospitality, but she pour it on his feet. You know, there is a difference between head and feet because when you talk about feet, only servants touch the feet of guests. Only children, perhaps, very unlikely the host will touch the feet or wash the feet of the guests. But she put her most expensive perfume, her belongings, and placed it at the feet of Jesus. It was the ultimate sign of worship, ultimate sign of respect for Jesus. And we know that what she did is she, she wept and her tears began to wash the feet of Jesus. And she used her hair. You know, in the culture of that day, a woman is not supposed to let down her hair, to use her hair for any other purpose because that is grounds. If you are married, to let down your hair is grounds for divorce in that culture. That is how seriously the social etiquette of that day was. But the woman didn't bother. She was careless because she reverenced, she worshipped, she respected Jesus Christ. Now what was missing here is that Simon, the Pharisee, missed this beautiful picture of redemption, beautiful picture of what God has done for you and I, what Jesus has come to do to save us from our sins. And that is his name. That is the name of, that's what Jesus means, to save us, that God save us. And then Jesus told her a parable. What is a parable? You know, a parable means, uh, it comes from two words, para. It means to put alongside or to cast alongside is a story that is thrown next to a truth, to illustrate a truth. And so they, Jesus used a lot of parables in his teaching. And we know the cost that uh, we talk about a denarii. A denarii was about a day's wage. There were significant, these were significant debts. 50 denarii would be about 10 weeks of your annual salary. Whereas 500 denarii will be about 2 years of salary. When Jesus told the parable, Jesus told Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he told Simon the parable in order to bring that conviction upon him that it's not she is the one who needs help. You are the one who needs help. 
And so turning to the woman in verse 43 to verse 44, he said to Simon, Jesus is... He said to, to Simon, see this. Do you see? Do you see this woman? And that is the title that I have for you today. This is a very clear picture. Uh, of course, uh, we have uh, in, in verse 43, verse 44, we have the woman, usually they were reclining, that means their feet was away from the table. That is the, the UA, not a proper table. And so they were eating front. That's why the woman perhaps could wipe his feet behind, have access to his feet and to clean and to, and to anoint her, uh, his feet with oil. So what did Jesus do when Jesus wanted to correct, wanted to rebuke? And that is what preaching and teaching is all about in 2 Timothy. Preaching and teaching is about rebuking, correcting and encouraging people to listen, to follow and to walk in line with the Word of God. And so Jesus had this strong word for Simon. He says, do you see this woman? And by looking, then he turned to the woman and spoke to Simon. And now it's a role reversal. Who feels condemned? Who feels convicted? Who feels judged now? It is Simon. Because Jesus was not even looking at Simon when he spoke to Simon. He was looking at the woman. Do you know when Jesus comes and be merciful and compassionate to us, this is what happens. He looks at us with compassion, with love. And He does not look at those who are unrighteous, but His eyes are on the righteous. First Peter 3 says, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. So from this scene, we have here a very clear scene that Jesus was affirming the one who is truly right in his eyes. And he was actually judging. He was actually rebuking the one who is evil, the one who is unbelieving. No water for his feet. There was the complaint that, that, uh, that uh, Jesus made of Simon Pharisee. I entered into your house and you didn't give me water. You know, in those days, they were only wearing sandals and the roads were the same roads that our livestock walk. Can you imagine what kind of uh, remnants were there? You walk everywhere and you carry with it all the remnants of the livestock, whether they are goats, whether they are dogs, whether they are bulls, whether they are cows, all their droppings will be there. So in order when you reach a, a, a guest house, the most important thing is to wash your feet, to remove your sandal and to wash your feet. But this is the courtesy that Simon the Pharisee, although he invited Jesus, he didn't give him that courtesy as a guest because for them, hospitality is a very important etiquette, social etiquette in the Jewish society. Even for us Malaysians, we also we are very hospitable. But there, Simon missed out a lot on things. Jesus says, you know why you miss out? Because your heart is wrong. Your heart is wrong. You are not seeing the way I see. Then, Jesus says that she used her hair to wipe my feet. Her tears, she didn't have water because she didn't bring water. Huh? Just like many times we, nowadays we bring water ourselves. But she didn't bring water because she was not in her home. So her only place where she had water to wipe his feet because his feet most likely was also dirty for walking in the sandal, walking everywhere. So the woman had something even better than water. 
she had her thanksgiving. She had her heart of compassion. She, 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 she loved Jesus because the word love in the Hebrew phrase means she's so grateful to Jesus. And so, the best way to clean the feet of Jesus was to use her tears. And that is more powerful. The warm tears of a repentant sinner is something so beautiful to Jesus. And so, not only that, she, uh, she began to kiss the feet of Jesus. Wow. And you look at the reaction of the people all around her, the Pharisees. You look at the reaction of Simon. If this was a church, look at all the church people who stand up and say, wow, what happened to this? A sinful woman is kissing the feet of Jesus. But you know, when Jesus entered the home, the Simon did not give him a kiss on his right, on his left. For us will be a handshake or for us will be a hug when we invite our guests. But here, Jesus says, you didn't, give me, uh, you didn't give me a kiss. But she, since until now, she has not stopped kissing my feet. It's the ultimate sign of honour and respect of welcoming Jesus. This is not, because this is not her home, but she welcomed Jesus into her heart, into her life. He says, Jesus you are the most important guest in my life. I am following you. I love you because you have forgiven me. And then she poured her most expensive item in her life, her perfume. Many of the spices were imported, most likely from India, from different parts. And so she gave her most important and not only did Jesus not have an anointing on his head by Simon the Pharisee, which is normal as a sign again of honour and respect. But Jesus, Simon, Jesus told Simon, you didn't even pour olive oil on my head, but she used her perfume and poured it on my feet. So this began to show the different, the contrast, the two attitudes. And Jesus saw rightly, but the Simon the Pharisee couldn't see what she saw. There's a danger, my brothers and sisters, that even as I was uh, preparing this message and I began to look at how we see people, how we see not just Christians, but how we see pre-believers, how we see people outside as whether we do have faith and hope that people can change like this unnamed, unidentified women. Being human, all of us have a natural tendency, a quickness, to judge and to label people according to our standards, our prejudices and our perception. We all like to put people in our preset pigeonholes, neatly based on our own perception, understanding, or whether it's misunderstanding, upbringing, experience, encounters, and interpretation. It makes us sometimes feel good. This person is like that. So we feel very good. We categorize people. But actually... That is wrong because we don't know people. We don't see people as God sees people. And that is our problem as human beings. We are not omniscient. We do not know everything about a person's life. So we are all, in that sense, guilty of many times judging people, condemning people, criticizing people just based on appearance, just based on their lifestyle, just based on what we see before us. We fail to see that every one of us, we are imperfect. That we all have our good and bad. 
We all have our strengths and weaknesses. We all have our positives and negatives in our life. We are not defined by either one. But overall, we are a whole person. Nobody knows. Everyone who is sitting here, nobody understands your journey. Nobody understands your struggle enough. Nobody understands the pain that you have gone through. Nobody understands the conviction that you have gone through. And sometimes we judge people just on one look, just on one example, but we miss out on seeing the whole person. The person is a spirit being. The person is living in a body. The person has a precious soul that God loves. And all of us, myself included, all of us at one time or another, even today when we walk in, some of us have already sinned like Simon the Pharisee. We are quick to, to judge people. We are quick to put people in our convenience slots and say, you are like that. You are like this. You are like that. I'm good. So the problem here is that when we judge people, we are labeling people. You know what is a label? A label, when you talk about it negatively, is actually classifying people negatively and assuming we know people enough. A label that is used in GLAD store here for the many queens there, they'll have the prizes there. I'm sure you're very, you're very pleased with the prizes, huh? huh? $5, $10, $15, you know, this, that is a label. A label actually defines, some have a different brand in your, I'm sure if you look at your, your collar, you look, there's a label. A label defines who you are. And so many times, you and I, we are guilty of labeling people. We see ourselves, let me tell you, for you and me, Many times we are also as guilty as Simon the Pharisee. We are quick to label people. You are like that. And you, most likely, you will always be like that. You will always keep your label. You cannot change your label because I say so. But it is sad to see this is what happens because it is hypocritical. And even in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Judge not and you will not be judged. For the same measure that you use against another person, it will be measured back to you. The same standard that you apply to someone else, it will be measured back to you. What is the problem here with judging? It is not that it is wrong to judge, but it is when we judge according to appearance, like what John, Jesus says in John chapter 7, 24. Stop judging according to outward appearance. Rather, judge according to righteous judgment. So there is, a, there is a place where we should use a judgment. But what is the difference here? It is the spirit. When you and I judge and label people with the wrong spirit of pride, I'm better than you, I'm superior than you, this is where the problem comes. This is where we sin against God. But it is wrong for the pastors, for the leadership to administer discipline, to correct and rebuke. No. Because in another part of Scripture, we also have Jesus many times, like even here in the incident with Simon the Pharisee, Jesus was already judging Simon. But the difference between Jesus and you and I is that Jesus knows the heart. Jesus can read. Even though Simon says, if this man, uh, he's talking about Jesus, uh, if this man was a prophet, uh, surely he won't let, he won't know who this woman is, what she has done. She is a sinner. But Jesus 
proved to Simon the Pharisee that he was more than a prophet. He could see the woman's heart. He could also see his, Simon's heart. He says, Simon, I have something to say to you. That means this is serious. Listen, today God is speaking to you and I. Michael, Jeremy, Richard, Raj, I have something to say to you. What do we respond? Do we say, Lord, speak, convict me if there's a sin in my life, if I have an eye problem, if I have a vision problem, if I'm judging people, Lord, convict me. This is what we should be doing as disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. The problem with Simon is when she saw the woman coming to his house. You know, those days when there was a rabbi coming to your house, anybody can come into your house and just sit there and listen. They may not participate in a meal, but they could just listen. And so she saw, and the moment she saw her entering in the house with her perfume, she must be smelling from far away with all the wonderful perfume. And the moment she saw her kneeling down at Jesus' feet, straight away, she condemned Jesus. She condemned not only the woman, she condemned Jesus. Surely this is not a prophet. Surely this woman is sinful. If you touch, if she, she touched Jesus, for them, it is ceremony unclean. If you are touched by a sinner who has not been cleansed, you have touched anything dead, you are ceremonially unclean. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, we must realise that this does not stop us from making right evaluations of people's lives as your leaders, as your pastors. At times, we need to correct you. At times, we need to rebuke you. Look at the, another situation in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, where Paul told the leadership in the church, you have to deal with this sinful man. He is shamelessly committing sexual misconduct by having a relationship with his stepmother. He says, even the Gentile people, even the outside people don't do this kind of terrible thing. Deal with it. So even Paul had to deal with it, have to make a judgment and told the leadership, I am not here, but I am with you in spirit. When you do it, I will back you up because sin must be dealt with. Sinfulness in the, in, 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 in the cell, sinfulness among the members, we have to deal with it. So very importantly, don't use the excuse of I'm not, I'm called not to judge people, I don't judge. But when we see a wrong, it is for us to evaluate. If we do it with the right spirit of humility, if we do it with genuine concern for our brother, for our sister, and that's what we have to do sometimes as pastors and as leaders, we thank the Lord for our leaders who will come alongside and say, brother, sister, I need to tell you about your life. I need to tell you about something in your life. You need to change. You need to repent. You need to turn to the Lord. So let me have a balance here about judging. So be careful when you and I put labels. Do you know what happens in the book of Hebrews? What the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Today, I'm not using many slides. 
And even the AV people also are very shocked. You know, Pastor Michael don't have many slides, which is very unusual. But I just want you to focus on the message. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, the author says, Love one another with a brotherly love. Continue in that brotherly love. And don't neglect hospitality to others. Because you may welcome angels unknowingly as guests in your, in, 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 uh, in your home. So maybe sitting right beside you today is an angel. Turn to the one next to you. Turn to the one next to you. Are you an angel? Turn to the one behind you. Are you an angel? Because this is what happens. Husbands, you must turn to your wife and say, you must be an angel. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have earned enough points already. You... And sometimes we are guilty. We are guilty because we judge people. What happens? When people who are different walk into our church, people who have long hair, people who have tattoos, people who have different color hair, different color dressing, do we judge them and label them as unworthy? And that is the same attitude of Simon the Pharisee would do the same thing. This person does not belong to our church. So this is for us to, to, to realize. If a person from a different country comes into our, into our congregation, will we welcome him? A person who is not dressed well, will we welcome him? Or will we label him like Simon the Pharisee? And I can tell you, brothers and sisters, even as I'm preparing, I was preparing this message, I was deeply convicted. At times, many times, we label people. We talk to people. We treat people differently. How do we treat people differently? When we keep a safe distance or avoid or shun those who have a tainted or known past, just like this sinful woman. Many times people have mistakes in their life, failures in their life, sinful life, just like the woman. And many, many Christians, even people in the church, avoid them like leprosy. We don't realize that if they are coming to church, we don't realize if they are seeking for God, they have come to look to encounter our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the people that, that they will encounter first? Is the people of God, is the disciples. If you and I reject them, if you and I look down on them, if you and I stay away from them, then how do we say, welcome home? How do we say, just like the prodigal, the, 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 the father of the prodigal son, you know what happened to the father of the prodigal son? He ran to the son when the son came back after realizing. And not only did he kiss his filthy son, you know, he was playing in the mud with the pigs and all this. He kissed him and, all, and he hugged him. And that is how you and I are called to accept and to welcome people who are different from us. People who have a difficult life do ex-prisoners, ex-people who have sexual sin in their life, people who have addiction problem in their life, people who have uh, and, and gone, gone through difficult divorce in their life, different issues in their life, financial reversals in their life. Do they feel welcome in our church? They should because Jesus welcomed them. So today, it's for us, for you and I, to examine our eyes, our vision again. Do we receive 
and accept people who have failed in life. If we do not receive, I too will not qualify because in my past, before I met the Lord, I have done a lot of sinful things in my life. It is only by the grace of God I'm standing where I am today. If not for the grace, if not for the eyes of Christ who see me as someone that is redeemable, someone who has hope, someone who can be changed, someone who can be transformed. This is your story and my story. If God can love you and I, so should we have compassion on others who are different. The other scenario is we ignore or discriminate against those who are different from us. Either they are because of their wealth, because of their status, because of their influence, because of their culture, because of their colour, because of their race, even because of their gender and because of their age. Many times, as adults, sometimes we are guilty of labelling the young people. We are always saying negative things many times about the young people. This also we are guilty like Simon the Pharisee. We are not giving them a chance. We don't know their struggle. We don't know what they are going through. And if we are racist to people of different groups, people of different ethnic groups, aren't we also as guilty as Simon the Pharisee? I can tell you, racism being a bigot, bigot means you cannot tolerate people who have different opinion from yours. If we are that, then we are not true disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, being brought up in the Malaysian culture, Malaysian family, sometimes our grandparents have, have, have brainwashed us, have conditioned our mind to be very partial, prejudiced against certain groups of people, certain races. Even my mom was like that. But towards the end, she, she was changed by the Lord. And it's very sad to hear, even in the church, that people speak of another person people as that person of another race, as if that person was a lower caste, a lower person. This hurts. If it hurts me, I can tell you it will hurt the Lord Jesus Christ to see how we label people according to because they are different colour, different look, different origin. And this really grieves the heart of God. We thank the Lord that in our, those who are serving us in our ministry volunteer team, we thank the Lord for almost, almost 1,000 old people are serving the Lord in the weekends in the Chinese church, in the Tamil, Bahasa, English. Praise the Lord. And do you know if we discriminate against people, do you know who are the people who are serving you in the ministry every weekend? It's people who have positions, people who are very well educated, people who do well. But you know what happens when they come to church? They put on humility. They put on servant heart. And they serve people together as one. You know, the church, the house of God, the community of God, the family of God is a place that, that everybody is equal before God. We don't pull rank. We don't pull wealth before other people. And so you have bankers, you have lawyers, you have factory owners serving in different areas, whether they are junior church, whether they are traffic. Yesterday, as I, every time I want to encourage our brother who is doing landscaping, yesterday he was all alone doing the landscaping, the beautiful landscaping. You see coming down, soon there will be a waterfall coming up there as you come down. He was doing all alone. But he was just wearing simple, 
a simple short, a simple t-shirt. And if, uh, if, if you and I will have this a simple mindset, say, ah, yeah, this person, uh, ah, yo, this person, very simple guy. Only, uh. But you never realize behind him who he is. He is a successful businessman. And he put down his shorts, he wear his singlet, and he served the Lord. Peace. Quietly, nobody knows. And we have so many of these people in our church. We praise God. Let's give God the, 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 the glory. So may I encourage you to serve the Lord. Don't allow your past, don't allow your disappointments, don't allow your failures to stop you from serving. Sometimes we have that mentality that because I've, my life was like that, I don't think so God will accept me to serve Him. No, brothers and sisters. All the more, just like the unidentified sinful woman, she began to serve Jesus. She began to give her best to the Lord and Jesus was pleased with her worship. Jesus was pleased with her heart. And you and I, all of us, we can serve. If I can serve the Lord, each one of you can also serve the Lord. Because Jesus does not look at our past. Our past is already forgiven. Our past is already under the blood. So, so important that we don't give preferential treatment to those who are well-to-do. And we don't do that in glad tidings. Whichever station or wealth you have outside in the world, when you come here, it's our policy, it is our ethics, it's our principle to treat everybody equally. So that's why on last Wednesday, I told all the leaders, leaders, you have a very high standard to maintain because as leaders, you must set a good example for the members. Even in the traffic, even in parking, there's no special parking for anyone. Even we all pastors, we have to abide by the traffic controllers. They ask us to park here, we park here. We don't argue, we don't fight with them. So it's so important that in the house of God, let there be, let we continue in brotherly love. Let us show hospitality to one another because brothers and sisters, unknowingly you and I may entertain angels. Many times, angels could have been sitting right beside you. And how do you treat that angel? Just like how Abraham treated the three strangers. He just quickly asked Sarah to go and prepare the best and just welcome. And he didn't realize there were three angels that were coming to him. Take a real look at the one. Just take a few seconds to look at the one beside you to look at the one behind you. These are your brothers and sisters. This is family. And if we can't treat family the way Jesus has called us to treat family, how can we treat visitors, outsiders? So it begins love, compassion, grace, mercy begins here in the house of God. Do we smile? at your brothers and sisters when you come to church? Do we greet people? Do we welcome them as family? And this is something very important. If you and I truly value people, see people the way Jesus sees people, this is how we will treat them. 
we will welcome them regardless of their shapes, sizes, or colour, or nationality. We'll say, brother, sister, I'm so glad to see you in the house of God. Welcome. Do we fellowship with them? Do we sit next to them in cell groups, in church, or do we avoid people? This is a question for you. This is an eyesight problem that you and I have today. But sometimes we also see ourselves like the sinful woman. We look down on ourselves. We demean ourselves. We humiliate ourselves. Perhaps in her past life, because of her reputation, she always was very inferior. Some of, you, some of us are like that. We think that we will never amount to anything. We will, can never do anything right for God. But look at this sinful woman who has been transformed. The repentant sinful woman. You and I are all repentant sinners. The same co common word that you and I have with the sinful woman is that we are all repentant sinners. We were once away from God. We were once judged by God. We were once condemned. We were once far. But now, we have come to God. So if Jesus receives this sinful woman, regardless of her past, and Jesus says, I know her sins are many, has been forgiven. And that's why she loved much. It's not because she loves that Jesus forgives her. No, it's the opposite is her faith in Jesus to accept her, to forgive her, to cleanse her, that caused her to be grateful to Jesus. So you and I are in the same position as that sinful woman. All of us have a past. But don't let your past define who you are. Don't let your failures define who you are. But let Jesus define us. Because only Jesus can change our labels. Do you know something very interesting? If you go out to the mannequin up there, when, a, when the sinful woman, the moment she believed in Jesus, the moment she, she was convicted that she is, she's a sinner before God, do you know what happens? Jesus went to her mannequin and Jesus just changed her label and says, this is not your label anymore. You are no longer guilty. You are no longer condemned. You are no longer sinful. You are forgiven. You know what happens? Jesus gives her a new label. Not seed label or not padini. Jesus gives her a new label. You are a child. You are my disciple. You are forgiven. You are blessed. And that is a beautiful thing. When we come to Jesus as disciples and we come to Him and faithfully listen to Him, obey Him and follow Him, He changed our labels. We are not who we used to be. So don't let the enemy, we pray that we will silence the voice of the enemy. Don't let the enemy condemn you. Because the Word of God says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what we want today is to see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us. You know, the woman was like this $100 ringgit bill. No, hundred dollar, hundred ringgit bill. It's just like this bill. If we crumple the hundred ringgit, does it become fifty ringgit? Does it become twenty ringgit? No, it is still hundred ringgit. Sometimes life will better us. 
Sometimes our sinfulness will cause us to crumble. But you know, in Jesus' eyes, we are still 100 ringgit. We are still precious in eyes. When we put, when sometimes life is so bad that it stems on our lives like that. I hope EML will accept this after that. I hope, I hope Glad, Glad, Gladshaw will accept this. I hope Salvation will accept this after this. So when life is so terrible to us and we sin, you know, it's just like stamping on us. But does it lose its value? It is still 100, right? In God's eyes, you are still 100 ringgit. I'm not saying that you are 100 ringgit. I'm saying you are still as valuable to God. Even when this ring does not fall into your toilet bowl, accidentally you are playing with your money and you pull it out quickly and you wash it, does it make it $50? No, it is still 100 ringgit. This is how Jesus saw this woman. So all the labels that the Pharisees gave her is wrong. They kept giving her the same label. And sometimes you and I are guilty of labeling people like that. But Jesus has changed her label. Jesus has restored her value and says, here you are. You are just as precious to me. You are just as valuable to me. You are just as loved because I have compassion on you. Let me end with this scripture. This scripture is so well, very well known about the parable of the sheep and goats. We know Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. And he says, The king separated the sheep from the goats. And he says, The sheep come to my right side. Goats, you go to my left side. And he spoke to the sheep first. Just like he spoke, like Jesus spoke to the sinful woman. Jesus says, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Why? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the person, the sheep, didn't even realize that he has been doing the right thing because it is not talking about salvation by good works, brothers and sisters. This scripture does not affirm salvation by works. But this one says that if you are really saved, if you are really a disciple of Jesus Christ, good works will follow naturally. You will have compassion like Jesus have compassion on the sinful woman. You will... Give a, a drink, a glass of drink to the thirsty. Feed the hungry. Welcome the stranger. Give clothes to the naked. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Do you know that all these things we are doing as a church and we want to do more. We are feeding the hungry in our food bank. For those who are thirsty, we are also supporting them in the Horeb ministry. For those who are strangers, we are welcoming them every weekend to our cell, to our group. We are welcoming them. 
to those who are naked, we are clothing them. Even right now. And to those who are sick, we have the healing room ministry. We have the ministry of visiting people in the hospital, visiting home. In the prison, we also are involved in prison ministry. So all this, brothers and sisters, when we do more and more, it is not because we are earning bonus points. It is because we are disciples. We love Jesus. That's why the more we draw closer to God, the more compassionate that we have. And then what is our reward? Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom of God prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And the goat is the opposite. You are cursed. Why? It's the opposite. If you say you are saved, if you say Jesus is your Lord, if you say we are following Jesus as disciples, why are you not doing like Jesus? Why are you not seeing people like Jesus? Why are you not compassionate like Jesus? Why are we labelling people like Jesus? So the goats are people who label people. I will help these people, I won't help these people. I give preference to these people, I don't give preference to these people. I look down on these people, I look up on these people. Somebody says this very nicely. The only time where we look down on people is when we are trying to help people to come up. Not because we are looking down on people. We are never more superior than people. Because if we look at that, there's one who is always superior to us, our Lord Jesus Christ. Where do you see yourself in this passage? Quite often, we see ourselves like Simon the Pharisee. You and I, regardless of how long we have been a Christian, a disciple, labelling others in our eyes. And sometimes, we also see ourselves like the woman, labelled by others. And sometimes, we believe the label. If people say, I'm like that, I might as well be like that. But this is no. The most important label in life, the most important vision Viewpoint in life is how Jesus sees us. So today, our prayer is, Lord, give me your eyes so that I can see. Not often enough, we see ourselves like Jesus, seeing ourselves and seeing others correctly in Jesus' name. We want to sing this song before I just pray along with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.